In the following live session recording, Jonathan Lawhon, Media Director for Warren Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, talks about church video systems. This session is a discussion of what church video systems can involve, video projection, camera gear, live streaming, and much more. There are some cost-effective ways to make the most out of what you have and where video production technology is heading in the future. Let's join Jonathan now. So we're going to hit up just a basic video system, a little bit intermediate, more advanced, talk about some live stream, and then we can uh, definitely, uh, uh, and then we'll have some like questions to kind of ask ourselves about, mainly about live stream, but kind of in general, and then we'll, we can continue to talk some more about just uh, any questions specific y'all have. But um, basic video systems, um, and this may be, it sounds like maybe more like what uh, Brandon y'all got going, just presentation software, projector, um, and that's very simple. But it is a huge effective means of communication. I mean, it doesn't have to be complicated uh, like their equipment up here. I mean, if it's simple, executed well, planned well, and purposefully used, it can be a great tool for, for uh, support for our um, worship, for our teaching, like we said, pre-service slides and videos, um, in-service promos and videos illustrations. Um, and do y'all's y'all pastors, do they use video, visual supports a lot? Sermon notes and videos and such. Um, I know at Warren for a while there, pretty much every week, we had some sort of sermon bumper just to kind of help that transition from worship into sermon. Um, and mainly because we had a second venue over here, same in the same campus, the second venue, and we actually live synced up. So the pastor would get up here and preach, we'd run this 45 second bumper or a three minute video. Well, tech team over here is watching what's going on and we're trying to run in sync. Actually, this, this venue is running about 30 seconds behind on intentional and he cut up and then we'd have to be like, all right, <laughs> wrap up, <laughs> you know, the band and then try to end at the same time. And, um, and then we eventually upgraded to where this room had a basically kind of giant TiVo type equipment where they could hit record and wait for the band to finish. And so we may be anywhere from 30 seconds behind the main room or a minute and a half or two minutes but we always try to stay under two minutes behind just in case the equipment had issues. We could punch the live button and go live, just a straight live shot to our um, projector and not lose 10 minutes of the sermon. So it was, um, that was very hair raising times. We had lots of, lots of weeks there. I was like over here and I'm like, something's not working. Run down the hall, fix stuff, you know, it was, um, again, we were, I wouldn't have chosen that route hindsight, but at the time it was the only thing we had uh, available. Um, Equipment-wise, it was cost-effective to do it. Um, but it served us well for, for a lot of years. Um, but with visual supports for teaching, um, here's just kind of a list of places that I go. I just want to kind of throw this out there. So y'all, if y'all haven't heard of any of these, you can jot them down. A lot of these are, some of these are free resources. Some of them are subscription-based. Some of them are one-time based. Um, purchases like unsplash.com is a great resource you can download photos stock photos and it's free um, so say you're doing pre-service slides and if you're the one creating it download an image of 
Bible sitting on the table or coffee sitting there and you can put in your information, you know, make slides. Uh, Shift Worship is a subscription based. They got loop backgrounds, sermon illustration videos, kind of a huge library of stuff. Um, and like with Shift, we have we have kind of multiple departments at, at the church, um, but like publications and tech over here. I mean, they, you can share one login. We just have one Warren Baptist login. We all download from it. Um, uh, another one, uh, free float. Freely photos and creation swap. Those have some free stuff. So anyway, great thing. Just hit them, check them out. Um, those are kind of some of my go-to bookmarks on my computer. Um, when we're talking about displays in our venues, this is kind of maybe hitting on a little bit of the tech, the actual hardware. I personally don't like to use the consumer grade TVs for any critical displays. Um, as far as like, depending on the size room, you know, you can buy a 75 inch flat screen now for what, 1800 bucks, 1900 bucks, maybe, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, yes, they look great. They are typically not built to handle the type of usage that we, that we would use them for, um, but they are cost effective means of display. So it's just kind of, you have to kind of weigh you know what how much are we going to use it um the brand like i don't i don't if we do install something um like we use them for our confidence monitors uh samsung or sharp that's all i'll go with i don't do video vizio or was it tcl or tlc or whatever or whatever that you know sense. it's just the components they're the consumer tvs nowadays are made to be throwaway appliances if you get 12 months out of a TV from the manufacturer side of things, they're like, okay. Because there's gonna be new technology in 12 months and you're just gonna go out and buy a new one. I mean, they're not made to, to be long lasting equipment. They do, there are professional level uh, display panels that, um, that are different than LED panels, but they're displays. I mean, but they're gonna be pricey. They're, but the components, the actual hardware components inside are a little more, they're more beefy, they're, they're made to last longer. Um, LED panels, like the ones uh, Messenger has on display down there, I don't know if you saw those. Phenomenal looking product. We've rented them before, temporary setup for a conference. I mean, it looked like you we set up one that was a 12 foot by eight foot. I think it was a 2.5 pitch which is the space between the pixels. So it's like 2.5 millimeters between pixels. So from 50 feet away, like you were looking at a, you know, 4K TV, the size of the baptistry in, our, in the place. It was awesome. You, you probably man to man, that, that big flat screen. Yeah, it yeah. was pretty hardcore. Yeah, it, it, was, it was awesome looking. We threw our C100 HD camera up on there. And I was like, oh, I was like, I could look at that all day, but it's, even in a, in a size of church of us, it's still not really cost-effective means. There's, they are great. There are some applications where you need to go with them, or you should go with them, depending on the application. Um, I was curious. The, um, the the director here, they just bought new projectors. Back in the balcony, there's two big old DLP projectors hitting their screens. I was like, just curious. I mean, much money as y'all spend on those? Because those, I know those aren't cheap. Why not go LED? He says, 
we didn't have the structural steel to help handle LED panels because the weight. He said we had a structural engineer come in and the last big piece of structural steel is actually behind the main speakers and there's nothing over there above those walls other than just, you know, light steel, expanded truss and stuff up above the ceiling. So he's like, we cave in the ceiling, we cave in the roof. Yeah, yeah, and that's where, you know, same thing in a Warren. Our main worship venue, we're still four by three on everything just because it's, you know, when you got so many different areas of ministry, it's like, where's that return on investment? Where do we need to invest the money? Um, where do we have room in the budget to upgrade? Um, we're hoping maybe beginning of next year to be able to upgrade our worship center, but Simmons needed it more. So we upgraded Simmons and our Grovetown campus started. So we had to invest there. So, so LED panels probably are not in the a good option for most of us um, so we're all kind of coming back mainly to projectors so like I said earlier laser hands down the way to go do not buy my record you're gonna pay a little bit more up front not much especially depending on the lens throw um, you know for the size screen and the lens throw you may only pay about a thousand bucks more um, for most cases because I kind of priced them out for us and uh, it was about a dollar lumen, you know, average, a dollar fifty a lumen if you kind of go that route. So for us, we were probably looking at about a $6,000 projector with the lens and the pro we need and stuff um, versus about a $2,500 or $4,000 projector. Well, hands down, laser, you got about a 20,000 hour lamp life. LED and DLP projectors, you got about a 2,000 hour. And when these die, you're gonna be paying probably $1,250 over the life of that projector worth in bulbs. Actually, our, our big center projector in Simmons and Grovetown has four bulbs, and they are 1,200 bucks a piece per bulb. Granted, I mean, I've, Luckily, uh, over the course of five years, I've only had to replace two bulbs. But still, I mean, if, if, if I got, if we have a big power surge and lightning hits it, and I got to replace four bulbs, I mean, I'm, a, I'm at five grand just like that. I mean, it's just where, granted, lightning strikes a laser, probably gonna burn too, but you know, that was a little extreme. Um, but point is, maintenance and longevity of the bulb is hands down the best way to go. Um, especially if you don't have anybody thinking about it. You're like, hey, we need to go check the lamp life on those bulbs, or we need to check the filters on that and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't wanna say they're maintenance free, but they're very low maintenance. Um, so, oh, another thing to do with those is, is the, the actual output of the bulb. Laser, you're gonna run it, you know, 95% uh, capacity until it gets to the end of its life and then it's going to be a very quick roll off whereas standard bulbs you start burning them you're running good for about 95 percent for 500 hours and then they're just going to start tapering off they're going to start tapering off and they're going to start looking dull they're going to the contrast is going to start going away until finally they blow or burn out so you kind of keep that nice looking image the whole time until it's somebody else's problem 
Like I figured up in, in Simmons Hall, our most used room, if I put a laser projector in, um, I think it was 12 years, that bulb would run from from that hour, you know, hour um, usage. Because I mean, because even in Simmons, I averaged up maybe 15 hours a week um, between everything. Sorry. Talking about our. Uh, right here, let me. You got a second? I'll yeah. tell you what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Anytime y'all chime in, Rick. Yeah. Like, let's see here. Uh, go back 10 seconds. All right. So, you see, uh, that's our screen. Mm -hmm. uh, well, let me go back again. All right. So, that is our projection screen up above is mm -hmm. an LED projector. Yep. And our pastor is actually wanting to take that out mm -hmm. and put TVs. I know it's not a good picture, but there's a wall here and there's a wall there. Mm -hmm. He's wanting to put and it's a pretty good angle. I mean, it's almost yeah. a 45 degree angle. And so we're trying to figure out what's best, but we're talking about either way. What we want to do is put some, some panels there. I don't know what kind. Mm -hmm. And so, kind of get an idea of what we're trying to do there. But we're trying to upgrade, and we're thinking about what's the best route. Yeah. To do for that, and what's best for the people sitting in the congregation. Yeah. That yeah. that would I would. That's what I would do first is, all right, what's your distance from, okay, those sidewalls, I mean, 45, I mean, that's not terrible. I mean, it depends on, because these people over here are not going to be trying to look at this screen. You know, you so you got to think these people are going to look across your stage, across pastor, and look at this screen over here. Yeah. Well, okay, so this line of sight from my left stage to my right audience, what's that distance? Yeah. Is it 40 feet? Is it 60 feet? Is it 80? And are we going to be able to do a flat screen big enough to where the content they can see from this distance? Yeah, it's real close from these people right here. But these people aren't going to sit here be facing the stage and looking here for words. They're going to be looking all the way across to that other screen. So. And you got three seconds. You got one. You got a, somebody in a group here in the center and right. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> we'll figure which best angle. Which I think we can probably tell. But what do you suggest for putting on the wall these days? I mean, like something like they had out in the worship area. For uh, for the display. Yeah. I mean. Probably what size? What height? What height are your ceilings? Are they pretty tall? I mean, from that it looks like they're pretty. Yeah, I mean, probably 30, 30 feet or so. <clears throat> not quite. Okay. Um, probably twenty-four. So you, so you got some room. Yeah. So without being in that room, without seeing it, I probably would almost still recommend going projection because even at a seventy-five inch screen, I don't think you're gonna get enough real estate. I don't think you're going to get enough real estate to get your content large enough for the people in the back of the room over here. What do you call those to see that over you here. Put in the wall and 
Yeah, yeah, you can do rear projection. But like that doesn't change the size. Just so. yeah. using Ethernet or something to project it, or HDMI or something. Sure. Yeah. 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 The, getting the cabling is going to be the least yeah. of your, you know, things like, to overcome. Cheap, easy way we try to figure out if something is going to be big enough. You can actually take your your screen, a shot of it, and then scale it using math, and then you print letters that are that size, print a line of them, stick them up on the wall, and then go sit in the back yeah. of the room. And see well, and, and if those walls are relatively blank, you know, um, borrow a projector for somebody, demo, you know, like if, if, if you go talk to Messenger Media and you say, hey, we don't know what to do here and we set up a demo, I mean, we do that all the time. Um, I mean, we've, we've demoed sound systems, we've had them come in, set up a sound system, let us hear it in our room, off our board, let me hear what it sounds like. Um, well, before we installed that environmental projection system, we actually flew a guy who was kind of the cutting edge for EP 10 years ago from Dallas. He brought projectors with him, set up, mapped our room, and said, all right, this is what it would look like, and said, here. And we, we brought leadership in, we brought the pastor in, had, him on, had everybody ready and scheduled as soon as he was ready, walk in and be like, yes, we need to do this. <laughs> um, we've demoed cameras, we've demoed Pretty much anything you can think under the sun, uh, we can demo. Um, so that may be one of those situations where, hey, let's set up a, you know, an A-frame ladder, get the projector up here, we'll strap it down, run a computer to it, and project on the wall and be like, okay, and then get your tape measure out, measure right. This screen, if we did a projection screen, this is going to be, you know, 10 feet diagonal is how big we can go, or eight feet, or so forth, you know. But with the size of that. I'm probably I would probably start by looking at projection. I you mean, laser projection. It, it, do I know? Said you would go laser projection oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, absolutely, hands down. That would, and if anybody tries to sell you anything else, I would question. I mean, they're going to do what the consumer wants. They're going to do what the church want, but what are they going to steer you to? To what's going to be best long term? Yeah, you're probably going to spend overall. You know two to five thousand dollars more total for the project and but it's going to be worth it um the for the longevity of those, of those devices i would hands down go laser over anything else now, i know you can get customized screens whatever size yeah i i don't think you would have to i mean i think there's so many standard sizes that are available now that you wouldn't have to spend the money on a custom you could either go up another 10 inches or down 10 inches and get one to, to fit and you know and, and if you're if your church is you know aesthetically fine with them being permanently mounted you can it's much more cost effective to do something that's permanent mounted uh, permanent mounted front projection screen is going to be your most affordable route if you go rear projection then because you're having to shoot through the screen your projector is going to have to be a beefier projector and architecturally you got to have room to project that what do you call it when you project just what if, what do you call it when you put up the, the tvs or the, 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 the so what do you call those projectors 
well, not the projectors. Okay. I mean, what? Pro presenter do that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so okay. So, in this situation, your presentation software is just an input. It is just one of many potential inputs that you're going to get to your projector. Um, so, so like in this situation, we've got our presentation software. Um, you know, if you kind of you want to add in another input as far as cameras go, if you have a way to take these different inputs, whatever they may be, into some sort of switching device, something that can you can literally pick and choose what input you want to now output to. Well, from here, then you could go to your projector or your stage displays or whatever. So then you have someone who can say, okay, worship, we're going to our presenter input or our software input, um, whatever that computer is. Now, sermon time, we're gonna go to the camera of the pastor. And then we're gonna take, and now we're gonna go back to sermon notes and you're bouncing back and forth between those inputs. But, so what's happening in the booth whether it's simple as a, just a single computer or multiple inputs and a switcher, you're going to take that and you're going to send that send that signal to your your display, your projector. Um, and after, can you go from? I guess my other question was, can you take your like we have Pro Presenter? Mm -hmm. Can you take? from your source to TVs mounted on the wall uh, say 125 feet oh yeah yeah piece of cake um, I say piece of cake that um, kind of gets into kind of even a next level of distribution so and now are you just running a pro presenter pretty much or a source computer source then what you would do is take your output of ProPresenter and run it to an HDMI splitter. Um, and then they make, um, like we use a lot of uh, Binary is the brand of distribution. Um, they're super reliable that you can buy uh, Xtron, you can buy, you can buy Chinese knockoffs off of Amazon that'll take that HDMI signal and then first I'm gonna split it and every output of that splitter is going to be the same. It's going to be the pro presenter. One output I'm going to take and I'm going to send to my projector. If it's 75 feet or less, you can run just an HDMI cord. Anything much over that, I'd probably recommend outputting this to Cat6. And then at the projector end, it's going to take it from Cat6 back to HDMI. So there's not a way to take it and plug that Cat6 straight into the projector and get video signal. Most projectors nowadays will have a, uh, a network jack, but that's what it is, is actually network. So you can actually plug it in, you can log on your computer and turn off your projector, turn on your projector, check stats on your projector, but it actually is not a video input source. It's actually network. Um, it's just a little bump though. It was from Cat6. Yeah, well, yeah. And um, there's the, I think it's, yeah, binary, the one that we have is cool. So it has multiple actually inputs. So it comes HDMI from the uh, computer input into this box. And then from this one box, it actually has multiple Cat6 outs. So it converts it. This box we have is a converter 
and a splitter all in one. So it's HDMI in, Cat6 out, all my different outputs, Cat6. This Cat6 is going to projector left. This Cat6 is going to projector right. This Cat6 is going to green room. This Cat6 is going to nursing room in the down the hall, you know, across campus. Um, I think, depending on the encode or the box equipment, I mean, you're talking 300 meters. I mean, you're talking a long ways. Um, so 125 feet would be a piece of cake. Uh, most of it, most of it will, um, especially if you run a computer, it'll probably still run for Cat5e fine. Um, if you're running, if you're getting up to trying to run 4K video and stuff, some of those the encoders will require Cat6, but really, I'm not a network guru, but from my understanding, most of the difference between Cat5 and Cat6 is the twist. Um, the twist and the, yeah, the tighter twist, longer distances, higher speed, but 125 feet, Cat5 should work fine. But this box, so we're Cat5 or Cat6 out to all these different destinations. Then at the destination, there's a little receiver box. Cat6 plugs in, decodes that information sent from our booth, and now I have an HDMI out. Plug it into my projector, another HDMI box with HDMI out, plug it into my TV in the nursing room or the down the hall for announcement loop or whatever. Um, and those receiver boxes actually are powered and get the communication all from the main hub back in the booth. And so you don't have to have extra power cords and all that. So TV, yeah, yeah. Power over ethernet basically here. And um, sorry, I'm getting, getting text and something. My wrist is just vibrating over here. I'm like, something wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, so like if y'all are, y'all want to send your sermon to different parts of the, the campus or? Not all the time, but mainly like in the mornings, put, a, put our announcements on. Yeah, our, yeah. Our pastor, he, he likes to get the kids involved with announcements, so he'll actually do like a, uh, a video. Oh, cool. That one of the kids do the morning announcements for that day, mm -hmm. he'll project it. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, we have a lot of things going on, so he'll, we're talking about, like you said, putting on a loop. Where yeah. Just, during Sunday school and then at a certain time cut off or, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if that's possible or not but leave I guess up to the teacher to turn the TV off or something but yeah. basically just we have you know 20 two dozen rooms oh okay that need to, you know not all of them have TV but eventually yeah so I'd say mm -hmm. all those now, two dozen you know we've got now, in y'all's case, um, if there's that many TVs and kind of spread out across campus, there may you may want to consider having a its own network, um, if you will, and basically not coming off the worship center booth. Um, you could actually have a computer that is just set up to to send to those computers, um, I mean, to those TVs. And there's a lot of options now to do video over IP where you don't, like our system, we currently have at Warren is aged and it is actually a separate network, separate than our internal actual data network. 
So there's, so our guys know our, if they're running cables or moving stuff, if there's a yellow Cat 6 in the cave, in the ceiling, don't touch it because that's going to the TVs. And then everything else is color-coded different in our ceilings. But nowadays, the encoding transmittive signal has come so far since we did our system that now you can actually have your encoders, decoders, just hop on anywhere on your network. So if you've got a switch down the hall that feeds this ten, these 10 classrooms or these offices, and you got another switch down here on this end of the building, well, you don't have to get this TV cable home run all the way back to this switch. You just hop on the network somewhere. Just plug it up like another network device. And then through the software, you can actually say, okay, this TV I want to send here, this TV I want to send this to it. Um, so I mean, there's... Like in our building, all those are plugged eventually back into a server. Okay. Does that mean the server would be running this announcements like on the side, and we just tap into that? How do we? Um, do we is, is it running to like its own? Is it to the to the your computer server? It's yeah. For the net, um, next to the computer. Okay. So probably um, what it would be is a source, a, another source feeding that network. And then from there, you're saying that you can distribute the signal from there. So I don't know, take it back. There is one software, and I'd have to ask Jim what it is, that you can load the software, drop in your media into it, and then as long as those all those computers are on, the, those displays are on the same network, then you can distribute from your server. So, yeah. Yes. Does ProPresenter have that option to do your, um, to send a video to the TV? Well, ProPresenter yeah, Pro definitely can create a loop, create a slide loop, a piece of cake. You load your slides in and then you hit, hey, play everyone for nine seconds. And it'll just sit there and churn those loops out all day long. See, because we, I just set up a new Wi-Fi for our church. Mm -hmm. It's a unified, it's a bike. But we set it up so that it's got zero handoff. Basically, you get out the church. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't lose your signal. Yeah. We have different Wi-Fi. I know it's kind of here. You know, they have one for staff. For yeah. Media. So we have that too. We I set it up for staff for, for mm -hmm. guests, and you know, and I, I manage the bandwidth and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, some of these TVs have the ability to either uh, Wi-Fi already or you could add an adapter to them mm -hmm. for Wi-Fi. Yeah. So I kind of want to try to utilize that instead of having to run cables to yeah. one of these. And have you seen that done before? Not, no, not, not with having a single source. Um, if you wanted to access the Wi-Fi and use the Wi-Fi to do it, because Wi-Fi on that TV is just going to access your, 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 your network. And it's just going to go out of the web. You're not going to be able to say, "Hey, take this computer. I'm on the Wi-Fi here. Output my ProPresenter because ProPresenter won't see your Wi-Fi as an output. So you have to get the video, the output of this computer, onto the network. What you'll do is you'll take your uh, your loop. You're going to upload it to YouTube as a separate video, and then your smart TV is going to go get that uh, YouTube video and loop it. 
That didn't seem very convenient, though. Yeah, yeah it, it would have to be some. It'd have to be some sort of yeah. that access, because that TV is going to go out to the web and access information. It's yeah. not connecting to another device through the network. So um, basically, it should just be run Cat Five or Six to it. Yeah, you're gonna and 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 even that the Cat Five and Cat Six go into the TV. You're still gonna have to have a uh, some sort of decoder. Right. And then, yeah, um, I don't know of a online display platform where you can connect all the TVs and upload content all in one. You know anything like that? No, not necessarily, no, I mean, but where... they all play the same yeah, advertisement. Or but where the, the TV is just going out to the web, basically. And it doesn't even have to go out of the web. I mean, it can just be uh, I mean, a slide uh, like the you're talking about. version is buy out the TV for everything and then just create a, 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 a slides on your photos app. You know what I'm saying? Again, yeah. I'm yeah. Because that, that's what my, my TV at home does, and I have it. I have it. So does each TV have to have Apple TV? So then every TV. Something like that. I mean, you, you could go very, very, I know we're, we could overthink it, but like that can be a simple solution. Yeah. You get a, the low end Apple TV. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's, I don't know Chromecast and all that well enough to. Fire taking all that. Is it like your first Because I don't have an Apple TV. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very same principle. Yeah. yeah so, 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 so if like the Chromecast, you're going to plug one of those in and then it access your Google Drive yeah. of photos and then you had a folder of Google of photos in your well, Google Drive that you can pull there. Because we have a, a, a Chromecast, an Apple time capsule storage. Uh, that they, that's pretty much how they do do it now. So You just set up an, like an Apple ID and ask the church Apple ID for mm -hmm. whatever you want to call that. Uh, and then create different folders in your Photos app, which yeah. is just your slide images. Right. And then each folder, each uh, shared album, you, just, you could even do different content on every TV and say like lobby TV slides, uh, children's area TV slides, youth yeah. area TV slides, and create different set of slides for every TV and just have that Apple TV play that slideshow for an indefinite amount of time. Yeah. But you have to buy a, a kind of like a like you said, a fire stick or something like that to put on each on the back. Every, yeah. Each one. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, that's how that accesses the, That might be easier than one. Yeah. yeah. Well, that would pick up the Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the TV, the TV wouldn't be accessing the Wi-Fi. The TV is just accessing either the Apple TV or the Fire Stick or that physical and source. Then that and then that device. The yeah. How much those cost? Apple TV. Yeah. Uh, for the brand new 4K one is like 129. So we're talking a dozen minimum. Yeah. <laughs> but, but again, Fire Stick. I mean, like the Amazon one's like. 20, 20 or 30 bucks. Yeah. So, so there might be, I don't know. There might be other options. The yeah. Roku is 30 bucks. Yeah. And you can connect your Roku to the phone. So I think you can do the same thing. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, you know, if your Roku could access your Dropbox folder, or if your Fire Stick could access your Chrome, whatever thing, access your Chrome Google Drive. Yeah, if it could access your Google Photos, you can do the same principal thing, and this pulling, but it's pulling from the web. It's not pulling from a, a device on campus. 
Well, I would want it to pull from the time capsule that we have on our network. It's like a NOS. That's what I would want it to do. Then you would probably have to find something to access like a, the Google Drive or the or a Dropbox. Because otherwise you're still, well even then you're still uploading it, it's probably still going to be pulling from the web. You know. Yeah. Well, we just, if we don't have to go out, we don't want to. Just for security reasons. Yeah. Um, so we keep it right here. Well, any any device you've hooked up to that TV, Chrome Stick, Apple TV, all that, it's gotta go. they're going to go out. And even if it does come out of your server, it's going to go out and come yeah. back in. Yeah, I understand. Because those are all just going to hit the hit the internet, internet provider, and then. And then access information. So the other option would just be run an Ethernet cable. Yeah, if you want a completely closed loop from yeah. the internal network, then you're going to have to actually probably have a hardwired network. It's it's tight up there in the ceiling. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's hot. Yep. Um. Uh, we're going to hit a little bit. Talk about a little live stream here. Uh, I know probably how many of y'all are. Said you're live streaming. Are y'all live streaming services? You are. Facebook live. Okay. Um, so one thing we've been talking about is just uh, how to do it. So obviously you got your source, um, some sort of way to interface your source, whether it's a single camera or a production switcher or whatever. One to, of the best cameras. Okay. So probably one of my. You want budget friendly. Yeah. I'm not convinced that I want to do live streaming, so yes, budget. Okay. So the system we have set up here, like if you were to like hire Messenger Media to come set this up for you with the computer, interface, camera, tripod, cabling, them coming out, set it up, I think Jim said it's around five grand. But if you DIY, you probably do a little cheaper. Um, obviously, because you're not having to pay them to come do it. Um, this little Sony is. A uh, decent little camera, um, CX675. Um, the biggest thing you want to do is have a camera that gives you a clean HDMI out. So you got to have some way to interface this video source into your computer, and got to have a clean HDMI out. You're not going to have a way to get. You got to have a way to get that signal in. Um, the Canon Vixia G20. Is another great camera. Um, easily under thousand bucks. I mean, I think that's around four or five hundred bucks. Don't quote me on that. I'll check Amazon. Um, that one I would recommend if you're from your distance of your camera to where what you're wanting to film is under fifty feet. So if you got to go further than that, then the G40, the next model up. Um, that the G40 has a 20x optical zoom on it, so you could probably go up to, you know, 60, 80 feet and be in pretty good shape. Um, but any of these type of cameras, they're 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 cam they're consumer camcorders. They have good image though, clean HDMI out, but you're probably not going to be sitting there trying to zoom in to different parts of the band. I mean, 
their their consumer. They're they don't have great servos. They don't have great control over the length and stuff. Um, so these this type of camera would probably be a good one if you're going to just hey you're going to post up, get a nice shot of the stage, and we're going to get stream that out. These little cameras will be fantastic for that, and you're well under the thousand dollar range for a camera. You know you're in the hundreds of dollars. Where I would definitely make my investment is in the interface because these things will give you terrible audio and they're hard to get good audio into and then if you were able to get good audio into that then it's going to get processed and it's going to sound probably not sound great anyway but like this little guy this is the black magic web presenter and i haven't used this yet this is actually kind of i just uh, first time i've used it was this weekend but i love this thing this thing is awesome it is a two-channel interface, web interface. So you can have two different video sources come in and you have a balanced audio input. So you can bring video from your camera into here. You can bring audio from your board into here. And then this guy will marry them up, sync them up. And then it just plugs in USB to the computer. And the computer sees this as just another webcam. So this has all the processing, this has all the encoding and compression to get it into your computer to where your computer just says, oh, Facebook Live, I don't want to use my built-in camera, I want to use this webcam. And you hit it. It's called the Blackmagic Web Presenter. Double check. Yep. And I think it's 600 bucks. But what's really, really cool of this one over a lot of other more technical simple options is the odd the separate audio input is huge so you don't have to try to mess with getting a camera that you can have an xlr input cable because that's going to jump the price up on the camera to have the same kind of camera canon format camera you're going to jump up five six hundred bucks to be able to have balanced audio inputs whereas here you got to have the encoder anyway do your audio here um i think now you can run stereo in or you can do a mic line in so it's got rca input so you can come stereo in um or you can do a mic line so it's got two different options and then it actually has meters so it's got meters it's got a preview display but um but being it has two sources you can actually switch so you can actually use this as a two-channel switcher and you can set it and it'll dissolve it'll cut so you can actually swap if I had a second input, we could swap between camera one and camera two, if I wanted to. Or if I had my output of ProPresenter go into my splitter and go into the projectors, I could have an output of ProPresenter coming to here. And then pastor gets up and starts preaching, I can go between camera, sermon notes. Camera, sermon notes. And so now my online audience is getting the sermon notes and not trying to look on the screen and be like seeing part of it, you know, in the shot. So you could switch between, or if you start your live stream a little early, you can be running your pre-service loop to your live stream folks. So it's it's a it packs a lot of punch for for a little box and and for the money. So then you go from that to your computer, and then that's do you recommend Facebook Live? What are the yeah okay? So let's talk about this? that. Um, and I'm gonna kind of um. I guess play devil's advocate here is, you know, what, what's the, 
what fits within the mission statement of your church? Is it is live streaming a good option? Is it cost effective? Is it is that a good place for us to spend our funds? Um, you know, depending on the church and, and your budget, you know, if you can do this for a few hundred bucks, hey, do it. And and you can have that outreach. You can have that option for folks who are out of town or military or shut-ins, you know. And if that's the case, then yeah, Facebook is great. I mean, you're, you, you can, it's easy. People can get to it, access it easy. Um, but, But if your goal is to push your people to your website to gather more information about other ministries, or you know, um, if you want them to interface more with your church in that way, then you may have to do another streaming platform to be able to get your stream into your website. Um, so, I'm trying to think how to um, put this. I got some questions we're going to come to in a minute that may help us kind of break that down. But for probably most of the folks, I would say Facebook or YouTube Live would be, you know, a great way to connect with your people. And it's simple. Um, Yeah, and there's, and there, um, let me skip ahead here. There's several, oh, one too many. Go back. Yeah, so if you're going to go to multiple platforms, then Ecamm or vMix, those will do multiple platforms. Actually, I haven't heard of, of, e, of Eastream. Restream. Um, those live stream will go to multiple platforms. Um, so you can, I know like Ecamm, you can stream, you can pick multiple platforms and then you can also archive on it and stuff. Okay. 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 Interesting. I'll be able to bypass OPS. I'm not familiar enough with Restream. I don't don't quote me on that because Restream may not be an encoder as well, or they may just be distribution. Um, but if you want to do as simple as Facebook, you don't have to have any additional software. You can actually schedule and post and stream live straight from your camera source. Like we are here right now. This is Facebook, and all I do is select that Black Magic as my source, and it's going to bring my audio and my video in here. And so right now, if we wanted to live stream live to Facebook right now, we could. Um, if you, but that's going to do just Facebook. If you want to do multiple platforms, you're probably going to have to have an Ecamm, a vMix, something that can take that signal and then be a communication point for Facebook, YouTube, um, Periscope, all these different you know outputs, um, if you will. Like we use OBS because we take it and then we take that encoding um, and put it into our website. So we're actually having to take that code and then paste it into our site and hit live there. So 
And then I know, I take it back. We do OBS to a company source called Stream Monkey, Stream Monkey, and then can distribute from for us there. So we can from Stream Monkey at our website, and then we can also they just added where we can go to Facebook Live straight out of Stream Monkey. So you're doing your website live as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can go to um, to the website and hit it, and it'll and it'll play it'll play live there too. Um, but one thing, the biggest thing when I'm when we're talking to churches about streaming is, you know, you can cut cut corners or buy budget-friendly cameras, but really work hard to make sure you got good audio because people are your end users. They're not going to sit there. We've been so kind of conditioned for the quality of video that we accept on our phones. But if if you got bad audio, you're not going to hold people, and they're not going to watch. You know, so. So whether it's coming off a, a mix off your board and then having somebody trying to get their own mix, you know, an aux on the board and they're they're dialing in a stream mix, you know, that's that's the way to do it. I mean, without a separate console, there is about all you you could do in that situation. But work hard to get and that's where this box really comes in handy. Do what? Yeah. Uh, but this is where this box comes in handy because it's easy to get that external audio input coming off the console and make sure you get really great high quality um, video and audio mainly to your to your uh, people um, so kind of just for those that aren't doing streaming I read this article for the by this guy Jake Gosselin and um, he had some really good just kind of points some things to think about ask yourself whenever you know ask get leadership to talk about this to bring it up is why do we want to do live streaming why do we need to do live streaming is it because we're not and we think it's cool or is it really a need do we have people that are like man i really wish i could be there i can't be there sunday i'm, I'm i can't be there all you know i, I want to participate in worship um because to do it well it is going to cost it is, I mean, yes, prices have come down. You're not going to spend $20,000 to make this happen, but you probably are going to have to spend $2,500 to five grand or something. It depends on what you have in place. If you are already have a camera and you're running and you're going and it only costs you a couple hundred bucks to get up and running, yeah, I mean, do it if you can get a good quality out there. It still takes the person to operate it yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's 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 back to our uh, quality without distractions. Is how what can we put on our volunteers or staff members or whoever? What can we put on them to where they can still execute well? What's going on in our venue and what's going out to the world? Um, because you never know who's going to come across that stream, who's going to see that, and what potentially first-time visitor is going to catch that before they ever meet anybody at the church. And what kind of impression is that going to make on them? Um, I mean, I would say probably say to say what maybe 95% of people are going to check you out online, check out your church online before they ever come across a threshold. So what you're putting out there, what kind of impression is that going to give them? And is that going to be something that's going to, you know, encourage them to, hey, I want to come check that out. I want to come participate. I want to come see what that worship like in person. Um, and so is that need in your community and what kind of first impression? So it's like, 
we don't want to just throw it out there because we can. You know, I hate to kind of say that, but 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 if if taking the time and the the money and the effort and putting the quality out there helps reach our goal, our mission statement as a church of you know making disciples and multiplying disciple makers, then absolutely. You know, I mean, we want to proclaim the gospel. We want to put. We want people to hear, but we don't want to be distractions, whether it's on their phone or in the service. We're on the radio. Yeah. We've worked hard to try to clean that up and do mm-hmm. that. So we've got the good audio in the radio, but I'm not yet convinced that we have the need to also have a video source. Somewhere. Yeah. Many people that listen to us on the radio. Yeah. I don't know that they pull up their computer and yeah, well, and because there's so many good alternatives. You've got good audio, and if you can capture a good video source, I mean, you could always, you know, marry those together and post it on YouTube after the fact. You know, you can do a video podcast, or you can do an audio podcast. You can have it available. Um, I mean, what, if going live, so we can say we're live, diminishes our quality versus posting it later that afternoon or first thing Monday morning? by all means, post that afternoon or Monday morning. I don't think you're going to lose people's interest and viewers by watch, by being live or not live. Um, visitor. They're not checking you out on the website yeah, on Sunday Yeah, they're not going to be like, what are they doing That's right now? On Thursday you know? afternoon with their exactly. I mean, because you can take time and you know, if your camera's not great, if you need to color correct a little bit, if you need to tweak it a little bit, if you need to trim it up just so it's flow smooth on video um, you can do a lot and then post it out and so then what you're putting out to the world is good quality and it's out there um, okay so let's say we do that and what are we doing on Sunday morning so we're running black magic here mm-hmm. which doesn't sound like a good thing <laughs> actually we, last night I was talking to somebody and uh I was talking to him and his wife she never she didn't know tech, I said something about black magic and praying over it she just, <laughs> just kind of looked, she cut her eyes a little bit, and I was like, a video equipment black magic. <laughs> so what are we doing then if we're in the computer? Are we just recording it like we would an audio file? Yeah, yeah, if that's the case, if you, if you want to, then you're just capturing. So you're, you could use this same guy, I think, uh, with, they have a software, free software, and you can hit capture, and it'll save it to the to the hard drive. So you, at that point, you just yeah, yeah, or if you didn't want to invest in that, if you've got a good audio source and you're already recording it, then you could just re- hit record on the local SD card. You wouldn't even have to bother with adding a... So plug the plug that into the camera. And then you have to well, kind of post-editing software. Yeah, that, that's the thing is with this level of camera, you're not going to be able to take that great audio signal and input it in. So you're going to have to take audio from over here, video from over here, and bring it onto a single computer in Final Cut or iMovie or something or or but if you do if you, yeah if you do something like this, yeah, it'll take that step out. You can do a single capture on the software, hit record, and now you've got because one thing too that depending on uh, your building sounds like Sounds like you've done the legwork and making sure y'all got a pretty sturdy network. Um, a lot of churches, the network's not gonna support streaming. I mean, the internet provider maybe, if you got a pretty terrible internet provider, 
I don't know if streaming's right for you. Um, if you've got a if you've got a computer that is you know 10 years old, streaming's probably not going to be your best option. Um, so fast inter fast and reliable internet connection is is huge if you're going to try to do the streaming as well. Um, I mean, and two is, and then with the connection is, if you've got open Wi-Fi, all right, what's that network doing on Sunday morning? Because I can test all during the week when the building's empty, and hey, everything streams great, works great. You fill it up with people on all their phones, and all of a sudden your network clogs up, and, and you can't get a decent stream out there. You're, you're streaming out at 480. You know? the, the one nice thing about Ubiquity Networks is you can separate yeah. put this on your side. Well, and see, back, well we actually, okay, so we were trying to stream from our main campus to our satellite campus, and we did that. We we partitioned off the network, we said, okay, we need minimum this, so we, you know, 10 megs upload speed, so we gave ourselves 15, you know, partitioned off. Well, it's still at the router level, not even the firewall and all that, and I'm not a network guy, so I'm probably like, you don't know what he's talking about. But anyway, our network guy was just, it was bottlenecking. Even with all the traffic, even when we had our network partitioned out, it was all still going out the same pipe to the internet provider, and we were getting this big bottleneck right here. Yes, on the network, and on the server, and everything, I had my bandwidth. But every single piece of data, in and out, was still going out this one connection, and that connection, we weren't, I guess, because of our internet provider, maybe your router or hardware, we weren't able to say, okay, out of this 50 megs from um, Comcast or whatever, hey, I'm only going to allow our people to use X amount. And uh, so we were only able to partition so much, from my understanding. I, I, I was like, uh, but we had our net, we had network guys there monitoring our server and our stuff like for a couple Sundays to kind of see what our traffic was and and they were like it was crazy. We got a lot of that cleaned up Try now. To bring another ISP in. Um, we ended up that was an option. We we're going to bring a second dedicated ISP for a whole kind of subnet. Um, we ended up going switching ISPs to a local company. Um, and then, so we brought fiber into the building. So you got more bandwidth. Yeah, so we got more bandwidth, more stable bandwidth. Yeah. And when we need to stream over there, I can actually just schedule it with them and they'll they'll ramp our speeds up for us for the day. Yeah. So, I mean, it'll, I, I forgot what we're at now. And so it's really not too much of a problem now. See, I put mine where anybody logs into the S network, it times out after a certain time. Yeah. So. Not yeah, because even when the phone's off and in their yeah. pocket, yeah. it kicks them off, and yeah, that's smart. yeah. I think I think Daniel's done some of that now with ours. Like it refreshes pretty, pretty consistent. So you know everybody's got an iPad. Yeah, I guess maybe because I, I I know I don't know if it refreshes during the morning or if it's just after every day it, it dumps it. Because I think that I know that at one point they were having that. It was like somebody that was connected two weeks ago. Yeah. They haven't been here for two weeks, but that is still holding their spot. Yeah. Yeah. And we were running out of IP addresses. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. So. So I've got mine working from like 6 a.m. to like 10 o'clock at night. 
on a Sunday. Yeah. You know, I actually saw through the from a guest network, but like we have our staff and stuff, and we have mm -hmm. like our worship center does Facebook Live. We have recre rec we created a separate Wi-Fi network for them. It's mm -hmm. 5G. Okay. This is all streaming and stuff. So. Yep. Yeah. You know, of course, we have a hundred megs coming in from our ISP. Yeah. You know. We separated that. We put 30 on the guest network. We put 70 on ours. Mm -hmm. on there you go. Yeah, and so you're, you're able to partition that all the way down even to the router? Yeah. 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 I think that, I think from my understanding that was kind of where our bottleneck happened. Because yeah. I guess from the router to, I guess the firewall and server and stuff, we were able to do it all over here, but over here it was still trying to get out that same. The nice thing about that network is I don't ever have to be physically at the access point or yeah. the router or anything. I can go on my phone and I can restart that thing if I have to. Yeah. And that, well, that was big because before we had like, like a, a Cisco access point here, we had a TP Link access point yeah. over here. At any time, you know, we had to go physically unplug it just to get the DNS to refresh or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we got that one clause in the back of Simmons. If you see, uh, there's a couple guys. If you see one of them go in there on Sunday, you know they're resetting the router. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, so that's kind of, I mean, what else? Uh, any questions y'all have? Um, I don't know, specific to your your needs? I mean, we're here for y'all. So what else can, so so your your announcement slide televisions uh -huh. that are all around here. So yes. You have that on its, its own. Yes, ours is, yeah, the way, I wouldn't do that now, I, mean, I might not do that now, because of the, the way you can do video over IP now, um, you can drop it on the, any of your switches in the building, but yeah, ours is, it is its own network, so it has a encoder at the start, it's got a switch, and from this switch it feeds six TVs plus another switch that's down in the next building and then from that switch it feeds five TVs plus another switch that's downstairs and then that feeds a couple more TVs. So it is a physical network of, of those TVs. Those TVs in classrooms as well? No, ours do it's not. It's just hallway. Yeah, our, we do have TVs in the classrooms but they're just there for... So they couldn't run the announcements. No. no. See, our, our building kind of been built on to over the years and so basically our Sunday school room there is the oldest part so you got just your hallway is probably as wide from the back of this chair to the back of that chair yeah for our Sunday school so you have no room for TV so everything is in the classroom mm -hmm. but what I like what caught my attention about this session was it said to use cost of way pick ways to use get the most out of what you already have and that's yeah. kind of what we're yeah. trying to do without and so like for y'all if, if setting up some tvs in common areas is not an option it's not very feasible right yeah now. and if it's not a place that will you know there's not a place where people are gathering like that to, yeah. to hit it then i would probably say something like the apple tv or the fire stick would be a good option um because you can upload that content out to, to that server, you know, server, that, to that folder, and you can just drop your, your photos in there, your slides, and then the, the TVs pull it down. But it will it would require you going outside your network. You know? So the other option would be to run 
Ethernet cable to every TV and use a what, Ethernet to HDMI yeah. dongle or something and just yeah. feed that to that HDMI input. Yep, and if you're doing 20 TVs, I'm only going to tell you that's going to get expensive. Yeah. Um, well, we don't use all those at one time. It, it, the way it's broke up, like not all the Sunday school classes are used on Sunday, so yeah. but then we have Wednesday night programs, and then those other TVs are used. So, but they're still going to need that yeah. device. So, if you did Apple, but you know, let's just say minimum 12 right now. Now, how close are those? Like. Um, I mean, standard classroom, they're pretty close together. I mean, because one, Parts of them are, because one, one thing you might be able two to... Two different buildings. Okay, one thing you might could do, instead of having to buy like an Apple TV for every TV, yeah. is say you got a closet, yeah. and you, an HD, a straight HDMI splitter is not too terribly expensive. Yeah. And if your 50 feet, 75 foot runs, well, you could do one Apple TV that feeds an HDMI splitter, and instead of having to go to Cat Six yeah. to distribute, to, to distribute, you may be able to feed six rooms straight HDMI okay. off of just one Apple TV. That may be a good option. Um, and then if you can keep those runs under 75 foot or so, then you know you could say, okay, this Apple TV is feeding this group of rooms. This Apple TV is feeding this group of rooms. Depending on how many classic rooms you got on the hall, you may need two Apple TVs. Thing with ours is our switch and our where the router and everything is in the office in the center of the church. Mm -hmm. so, the computer, the pro presenter, would be feeding this announcements and stuff at the other end of the yeah. church. Well, if, at the end of the church. Yeah. So, well, if you did something like an Apple TV, though, it wouldn't. Yeah. You, whoever your um, one of your staff members on Thursday could upload, hey, I'm going to take this group of slides yeah. and I'm going to upload it to my photo folder for Sunday morning and then Apple TV's pulling from there. So it, it doesn't care where the pictures originated but from or what time you I guess the thing that I'm, I'm trying to make it as easy as possible for our Sunday school teachers, they'll have to come in and they'll actually have to physically connect to that Apple TV each time. They no, they would just have it's an HDMI input. Oh, yeah. So yeah. So they would just have to turn the TV on. That's HD it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Like DVD and like that, the only exception is if they have like a, if they're gonna connect their computer to it, you might be switching commission on one HDMI. Yeah. Like they would have to know yeah. which is which. I got you. Okay. Yeah. So okay. you you do a little label on the TV that says HDMI one is the wall jack, local wall jack for that one TV. HDMI two, you know, and then yeah. if you plug all those. All your distribution signals into HDMI two. Yeah. Say, hey, normal and just powered on. It's on. Okay. So the extra work is the person who's creating your slideshow. Yeah. Also, just, then has to export each one of those as an individual JPEG. Yeah. Right. Yeah, which they're going to be doing anyway in the pro. Well, I think it. Like we will create our slides in Photoshop or something. Okay. Get an easy worship. You can run a PowerPoint on a loop. That's yeah. Why pro presenter, you're not running PowerPoint. No, I mean you you can create the slides in Pro Presenter. But because we have so many different venues and different computers are needing to access the same data, the same slides, we create Photoshop, our publication office, create the Photoshop, and if they download a certain font, so they don't, we don't have to worry about if all these computers out here have the same fonts. They create a JPEG, they upload it to a Dropbox folder, and I got six computers out here that access this folder every Sunday, pulled it down, and then they access that. 
only time that might can bite you is if they misspell a word. Right. Right. Then you're like, I got to go back to the original J source and recreate that J code. Um, so our we don't create the slides in ProPresenter. We run them in ProPresenter. We drag that JPEG in, hit play for nine seconds, and go. Um, so with the ProPresenter being at one end of the church, let's say I decide I want to hardwire every TV. Mm -hmm. Would you have to have a separate switch coming off that box that ProPresenter computer? Yeah, so, so ProPresenter yeah, so Pro would be your source. It would go HDMI into an encoder. And then from that encoder, your cat sits from then on. So I couldn't tie into my, my router, my switch that I already have. You, that's where you probably could. There is other uh, video over IP available now. There is um, there is that option is available. Yes. Because you know some of the TVs are closer to my switch than they are. Yeah, coming. Yeah, you yeah, would. So yeah, you, you should be able to do uh, video over IP to where it would just run on your normal network, yeah. and you would not have to do home runs from each TV back to, to, the, to the sanctuary or yeah. to a central place. Yeah. You can just run it to the closest switch. Yeah. Um, there might, this is where the guys over at Messenger may have a better understanding. There might be another software we'd have to be able to get that presenter signal to your IP, um, um, to your network. That may be, that's the one question mark I can't answer right now. Um, but if I got a video source and I want to be able to throw it on my network, just my general network, and then pick it up with this receiver, yes, that is available. But you still have to have that input or that output coder at the... Uh... Yeah, some, somewhere you got to get this output of this jack onto your network, and that's, that's the piece yeah. that... Um, and we might have something like that in place. I don't know. I, I didn't. I wasn't there when they set up the Facebook Live yeah. cameras and stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but that may be where something like small network of networking of HDMI to an Apple TV might be a good option. Yeah. Yeah, because then. Well, you know, if they decide they just want to do certain TVs, certain classrooms. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that happen because you're on the internet only talking about maybe six classrooms. Yeah. The advertised to have. Why the other just kids? Oh, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't need kids' rooms. Yeah. Yeah, if you just can hit all your adult rooms. Right. Um, yeah, that would be. Yeah, because splitting just HDMI and not having to convert 2Cat6 or convert it to where it'll run on IP. If you're just splitting HDMI, I mean, that's pretty cheap. Yeah. What, an 8 port HDMI splitter for cost you 150 bucks? You know, 120 bucks for an Apple TV and then the HDMI cords? You know, 